0: Ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And Jordan.
1: Go find yourself a possum today!
0: (laughs) Uh, Episode 60, uh, you know, big round number. Nine more and we'll hit our peak, so looking forward to that. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) Bad joke. Uh, so as far as what we've been playing this week, uh, another week where, so after last week's episode, I said I was immediately going to get to pray. Unfortunately, I got swamped with a bunch of freelance work. Uh, you know, I'm trying to save up for the Switch and just save money in general. Um, so I've been trying to do as much like freelance graphic design work and stuff like that, video editing. Uh, and I got swamped with work, so I wasn't able to really play anything. I think I got like 15 minutes in of, uh... Fire Emblem Heroes and I played a little bit of Magic Origins which is the card game Magic the Gathering obviously everybody knows or should know it's like one of the biggest trading card games in the world Um, it's their what they did is they would release a Magic the Gathering game every year on like PlayStation and Xbox and everything but then they decided to do what everyone thinks sports games should do so they just released a platform called Magic Duels or Magic Origins I forgot what the actual name of it is and then whenever a new set of cards comes out they just update the game um, which I think is really cool. Um, it's the thing that people talk about with sports games doing forever, right? Of releasing a platform and then every year paying, you know, 20, 20 to 25 bucks for a roster update an engine upgrade or not engine upgrade, but like, you know, boosting the game somehow. Right. Um, so played a little bit of that, but like I said, I really had no time to play anything. I did get two books in the mail though that I pre-ordered, I haven't had a chance to read them yet, but I got star Wars guardian of the wheels, which is like the backstory of Bays and, uh, true which I think I said last week. And then I got, uh, I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Pretty sure you guys know who he mm-hmm. is. Uh, he released a new book called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. Uh, beautiful cover design. <laughs> um, really cool book. I pre-ordered it like a long time ago. I think like in December. Completely forgot about it. Got it in the mail yesterday. I was like, I'm not expecting anything. Opened it. Got the book. Yeah. Beautiful cover. It shows like a kid... Um, like, looking up at the stars, holding, a, like, a notebook, but it's, like, all silhouetted, so you, you don't really know what he's holding or if he's a kid. Uh, and then behind him is, like, a high-definition picture of the galaxy. Like, just super beautiful. A, I haven't even read the book yet, but A++ plus plus on the cover design. I'll give him that. Um, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I didn't really play much. I'm, I'm going to be getting to pray, and, uh, we'll talk about that obviously, at the end of the show, but I really didn't play much, so hopefully you guys played stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah. I did. So... Go ahead, Dom. All right. Salt and Sanctuary. Yos, Tell us about it. I finished it, and I actually finished it 1.5 times because I had to get an extra trophy that I had missed the first playthrough, which was an irritation. But, nonetheless, got the platinum as a result yay! of that. Wow, two plats in as many weeks. You're on top of it. I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. Congrats, Dom. Um, it's, it's it's a disease, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's getting to the point where i don't know i just <laughs> i played through the game a whole extra half a time just for that purpose but anyway
1: <laughs> it's like the bloodborne dude you're uh, addicted to the hunt
2: yeah bloodborne i enjoyed more so that wasn't an, and i it had been a long time since i'd played it uh so that was less of a chore really i just love that game so much more so
1: it was no cool. i'm re- i'm making a reference to the actual world of bloodborne like why do they when hunt the that hunters the hunters get addicted to the the hunt
2: <laughs> no and I, I got you i got you um but anyway god damn it dom god damn it <laughs> anyway Sultan sanctuary is fantastic i'll throw a couple last thoughts out there since i've i've been, talked about it a couple times but yeah it is literally dark souls two dimensional it is as deep i would say like the systems wise you know the different classes uh, the skill trees um the they call them creeds where it is in dark souls they're what covenants um basically groups that you know you have to like give items to you pledge your allegiance and this and that and you get different perks based on that like like in general like all the different systems and the way the world interconnects with itself is very much dark souls which i guess in that sense dark souls is very much castlevania but anyway you could keep going down that that rabbit hole for a while um
1: is it slow like dark souls like the combat
2: yeah it's definitely not as quick as bloodborne but it's also like i said there's a lot of variability between the classes so i i use primarily a strength and heavy armor class so it was definitely slow for me you could do a dexterity class you know and you get get your little whips and daggers and stuff and you could probably be zipping around and rolling a lot quicker but i'd still say it's 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 slower but again there's no dash i assume no there's just a well there's a roll right yeah um but i'd say in general it's slower but again like this is 2d combat so and it it does a good job of feeling like i guess it's like a perfect translation the combat from 3d dark souls to 2d it just works really well it's not it's just as deep like all the different moves and everything it's kind of tough to explain i guess but super cool game um definitely a, a tribute to dark souls uh in two dimensions, anyway. So you'd so,
1: recommend it on the Switch, I guess, when it comes out.
2: Yeah, hopefully that does happen, because um, I think that would get it in front of a whole nother audience too. I think a whole I think lot. That's of people, confirmed, isn't it? Well, that's what we said a week or two back. That the devs said they were making inquiries about the Switch. So. Okay, okay. I
1: I'm having a tough time. I apologize for listeners. I'm having a tough time remembering which games are or are not coming to the Switch. I know. We talked in our group chat. Hollow Knight is confirmed.
2: Yeah, yeah, that
0: one.
1: But yeah. but yeah,
0: that's another game that will have like really good life on the Switch. Like it's a great game. I'm playing through it. Like I love that game. Like it's one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, and I didn't have a chance to play it obviously this week. But like that game on Switch is going to be so great, man. So great.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah, it's the same thing. <clears throat> like the Vita is now. Like I think the Switch is going to become that where you know the vita was like long dead really right and they still decided to to pay up to make a vita port of salt and sanctuary this late in the game you know because it was obvious that well there's a crowd there and they will buy it like it they probably also have ps4s all those people but they they won't buy it unless this is on the vita right i think the switch has that same potential where there's also a big crowd there that would buy this um Instead of buying Uh, a PS4, but anyway, real real quick, just an
0: update: they are they. I went to their Twitter; they officially posted their inquiring for Switch and Xbox
2: One. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Hopefully, it comes to both. That'd be pretty cool. So. Yeah. Yes. Otherwise, played a lot more Mario Kart as usual. I'm not as far as Jordan is unlocking that gold cart, but. Oh
1: yeah, I didn't mention that, but uh, got me gold cart.
2: the game despite giving you all the characters right off the bat um as you do races even like multiplayer exhibition any kind of race as you collect the coins you unlock different cars and wheels and gliders and stuff so it does give you a sense of progression still, which is pretty cool so and there's tons like there's so many more cars and they never seem to end seem to keep unlocking more and more it's crazy um so still having tons of fun with mario kart Um, Who's your main and lastly my uh, you know I, I, I rotate between Link, Dry Bones, sometimes I throw in a shy guy. Um, I've been trying a to dude. mix it up really. My fucking
1: get... dude Koopa Troopa and I got that gold cart.
2: Whereas uh, Emily switches really between just the the Metal Peach, and uh, what's the other one? Rosalina. The Baby Peach. Oh, baby peach. No, uh, Toadette. The pink. Oh, cool. Toad. Yeah. No. Toadette. Yeah, but not my... that
1: fucking squid bastard right
2: oh no i don't even fuck with those squid people i don't even... the squid people and then there's a bunch of other characters i don't even know who they are like morton and oh
1: yeah a little uh it's like bowser's crew
2: yeah like lemmy and and roy yeah, they're, i'm they're, like, like get, the, get the fuck out <laughs> of here yeah, i don't get it C-tier anyway T-tier characters yeah anyway i'm trying to push myself to trying different characters and they really are really different um it's a whole different game. When you switch complete weight classes and stuff, it really changes everything. Cause who did I, I I started a race as like Bowser. I'm like, Holy crap. I can't turn. Like it just all of a sudden I can't even play the damn game. And Emily almost lapped me and beat me so bad that time. But yeah, (laughs) nice. It's, it's cool to see how different characters play in that game with different bikes and so on or carts. Um, and then what else I played was Wolfenstein, the new order. I'm, I think I'm like over halfway through it, Played it a whole lot, uh, this week because it's damn good. Um, for the first, I don't know, two hours, I was kind of like, "Hmm, this is really dumb and generic and nah. like mediocre, stupid last gen shooter, right?" Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it just was. It just kind of, I don't know how to explain it, but it all like starts. So, I had heard the beginning was slow, but like, mm, it is slow, but it really gets better really quickly, and then it stays good. Uh, at least so far, so I'm loving that too. So
0: that game, and I know people talk about it being great, but I still don't think it gets the credit it deserves. Like, oh yeah, a lot of the, a lot of, there's like a lot of B side of the cassette tape shooters that people don't really talk about. Like Doom, Dom and I both played that last year. Fantastic game, dude. One of my favorite shooters in a long time. Wolfenstein: You Order, fantastic, and even the Metro games that rarely get talked about are some of my favorite. I love the Metro games. Um, mm-hmm. Wolfenstein The Inner is great. It's cool to see you playing through it. Uh, there's a lot of cool nods too to the old Wolfenstein games. And it's like the way they implemented is like he's having like a
2: like a, a weird yep. flashback or like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. So so what happened? And I didn't realize this. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, you get to this – I don't want to spoil too much. I guess it is a pretty old game. But anyway, you get to this base of sorts at one point and you can w- kind of walk around freely and there's no enemies. And I go up to this bed and it says nightmare push x or whatever like what the hell is this <laughs> of course i push x <laughs> and then yeah i'm 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 put into what i'm what i assumed was you know the original wolfenstein game in whatever bit anyway, it was it was something uh, and died immediately and i said okay that's cool that that's there I'm not going to mess with that anymore though.
0: well that's cool that it didn't lock and you I'm in back. there it didn't lock you in there it was like okay i saw what it was that's cool not for me But I'm going to move on. You Mm -hmm. know, some of those Easter eggs like like, Crash Bandicoot. Some of those Easter eggs, it traps you in there, and then you're like, oh, I have to finish this and then get back to the game. So it's good that it lets you get out.
2: It it reminded me of Crash Bandicoot in Uncharted 4, where it it forces you in, but then, yeah, when you first die or whatever, you can leave or you can keep playing it. Yeah. And that's everything
0: you played? That's a good list.
2: Yeah, that is it.
0: Jordan, what about your week?
1: So, uh, yeah, so Jared, you were talking last week, uh, you're like, man, I wish I could watch TV like you do, you know? Um, I wish I could sit down and watch stuff. And I was thinking after we got off the podcast, you know, you, it, I think you play a lot more games than I do. And so it, it all balances out, you know? So, um, and I was listening to Easy Allies talk about this recently, where it's like, you can only have so much of your cake. Like, if you want to be up on current movies and TV and games and comics and anime. Like, you can only have so many of those at once, right? You can't be up on literally everything at all all times. So um, it's all about balance, man. I just wanted to throw that out there because I was thinking about that. But um, I um, actually did play more games this week. Um, I've been playing a lot of games this week. So my uh, opening line from the podcast is actually... just hilarious bit of background dialogue that I heard in the game Outlast, or Whistleblower, it's DLC I should say and so um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about Outlast but basically it's a first person survival horror game where you're this journalist with a camcorder that has night vision on it and basically you're just trying to run away from these people and hide from them and, and you know shut off this valve or turn this key or whatever you need to do to get to the next area and uh very good, very great horror. Uh, back to the roots of survival horror, which we need to get back to. Um, and you know, I really think that Outlast is is a big, big part of this uh, horror renaissance that we're um, getting right now. Because um, I think it was it was before PT, or I can't remember was it. Yeah, yeah it was. was before PT. We
0: we looked it up. It was uh, Outlast, then PT, then Resident Evil Seven, now Outlast Two. Kind of the right.
1: lineage, right? And and like before Evil Evil Within, before a lot of these games that have just come out within the last few years that have brought back horror. So I I'd, I'd really just like to thank the guys at Red Barrel Games for that. I think that um, that was something that was sorely lacking in the games industry, and it's starting really just starting to hit its full force of the resurgence right now obviously with like Resident Evil 7 Outlast 2 coming out so um, really excited to play Outlast 2 I'll probably be playing that within the next couple weeks Um, as I mentioned I played the Whistleblower DLC great DLC connects and fits like a jigsaw puzzle into the story so well um, and just makes the experience the already awesome experience even better so I really don't have much uh, that isn't great to say about Outlast. There's a little bit of questionable uh, level design here and there, or, um, you know, it, it wasn't the smoothest experience I had. Uh, one, like, it, it loads in between areas. It'll just pop up with this random loading screen, and one time it got stuck, or one time, you know, this guy I'm running away from, I'm, like, glitching, and so he just murders the fuck out of me. So... There were some issues, but for the most part, I really only have positive things to say about that game. So, loved Outlast, obviously. Um, Also started playing through Life is Strange Season 1. Like, halfway through Episode 2. And um, as far as a, you know, story-based kind of um, interactive experience as opposed to a game, almost, um, it's pretty good. I wouldn't say it's... Um, as good as where Telltale is at now with Walking Dead Season 3 but I'd say it's as good as Telltale was at, like when this game came out, where Telltale was at then I think they they were on even footing so we'll have to see with Life is Strange 2 um, the story is a little slow, like where I'm at in Season 2 There's or I'm sorry, Episode 2 it's still not picking up a whole lot it's still a lot of character building and, and working on these relationships, which seems to be a big part of this series in general so I'm not too upset about that um i'd say my biggest complaint is the dialogue um the voice acting is great but the way the dialogue is written for the teenagers is really just fucking campy but not in a a good self-aware way it's like um an adult trying to be cool and hip and like i mean i'm halfway through episode two and chloe's said the word hella like seven times at this point so that's like three hours it's like three hours of gameplay and there's one chick that's like preach it, sister, and like there's just shit where I'm like, really? Did you guys think this was, this was the cool lingo? Yeah, and that's that the kids are all. That's one of the issues with on? it
0: being developed by like thirty plus year old French French dudes for the most part. Exactly like, exactly. like you said, the voice acting is great. The dialogue is a little rough. It does start off slow, but that game does ramp up. And the one thing I'll say about uh, yeah, Life is Strange, as was to say Last of Us, is that. I have a friend, my best friend. He's the he's a, a car guy. He plays action games. He's a sports guy. He's not really into playing indie games, right? He saw me playing Life is Strange, and he said, hey, make sure we hang out whenever you play that. So he actually sat with me, and we played through all of Life is Strange. And that game actually got him interested, and he thought the story was super cool and how it, like – everything that happened and everything. I thought it was super interesting. Out of all the games I've played, yeah. that's the one he was like, "Hey, I want right. to pay attention to that." So there is something to Life is Strange. I think it's a a good game. I don't know if it's like an echelon of greatness, but it's a really solid game. It's a really good starting place for don't not in that hopefully franchise which uh, as of recording the show today, we heard that they're working on the sequel or maybe not the sequel, but a Life is Strange game. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, which it was I did think it was interesting that they didn't say, "We're working on Life is Strange season 2." You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, we're working on a Life is Strange game, so that was weird. But, um, yeah, I think that was, uh, the biggest thing for me, Jared, is that I've heard from so many people that this game is great. You've got to play Life is Strange. Oh, you've got to check it out. And, yeah, it's more of a solid, uh, to pretty great game as opposed to, like, amazing.
0: I just think there's um, not a lot of games but, like know, it. It, it, it could turn around. And I think that's why. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah.
1: It's definitely, I like that it, it's carving out its own, um, groove, and it's doing its own thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you yeah, off it's, there. Um, Sorry.
1: No, I was just going to say that um, one other thing about it, and you, like you were talking, it's 30-year-old French guys making it. It takes place in Oregon, and my God, this game is a little too hip for its own good. Like, it's all this, like, coffee shop indie music, like, really lo-fi g- acoustic guitar shit, and, and I get it, you know, Max Caulfield, she's a teenager, but there's some parts where it just It goes a little overboard in its hipness and that whole, you know, the hella dialogue, that's just being one example, connects back to that. So um, that, I think, is its biggest flaw. It's too hip for its own good. But um, other than that, if you can get over the fact that um, this game is just hipster as fuck, then you can enjoy it, I think. Um, So yeah, Enjoying Life is Strange, I'll have more impressions on that. Got back to Prey and um, finally got a fucking gun in that game. Um, that's my biggest issue with that game is the first hour is just like, really? I'm I'm just fucking hitting these mimics with this wrench and the hit detection is just so obnoxious. Like, You feel like you're hitting the mimic that's right in front of you and it's just missing, whiffing. Um, and I'm like, isn't this supposed to be a first-person shooter? Well, you know where um, that
2: started was uh, I think the shot. first... Well, yeah, Bioshock, but I think more so was the original Half-Life. Um, yeah, the crowbar. I'm remembering, yeah, you start out with really just a crowbar for a long while. And then when you finally do get your gun, you feel, like, awesome and powerful. Yeah, and then, but that's,
1: yeah. like, you don't even get the gun till like, halfway through the game in Half-Life. And so I think they were more copying Bioshock, because Bioshock's, like, more more like Prey as far as how long you use the wrench for.
2: Uh, in either case, and... it's got a... be effective the way they do it right it could be annoying if they're not done right
1: and it it isn't in my opinion because Mm. when you pick up the gun for one i mean this game is a first person shooter that's what it is you can call it an immersive sim or whatever the fuck but it's a (laughs) first-person shooter like um the fact that it takes me an hour to pick up a gun is way too long and the fact that the hit detection is so bad on the wrench when i'm trying to fuck up these mimics and they're just like destroying me um is annoying and it's it's a really bad way to start your game, man. Like, I I really didn't like Prey for the first hour, and that sucks because this is a game that I wanted to love. I mean, it's, like, cyberpunk, sci-fi. Like, you guys know this is a game right up my fucking alley, and obviously I can't shut up about Bioshock. So um, that's my other biggest thing about this game is, is the hour and a half in that I'm into, it's like they just put a sci-fi skin on Bioshock. Um, I love the first hour just, of that game. <laughs> I think... I think that it's just too close to Bioshock. Like it's just they. If they wanted to make a tribute game, that'd be fine, like Salt and Sanctuary or something like that. I really you think know, it's, where it's like clearly we're trying to be Bioshock, but I think they're trying to say, "Oh no, we're carving our own path. We're sci-fi. We're we're this new type of game," and it's like. It's very, very close to Bioshock to the point where it does almost feel like a sci-fi skin, unfortunately. Well, and sorry, Joe, No, it's fine. Ahead. I was
0: just going to say, I really liked the first hour, but that's the beauty of video games is that people have different experiences and opinions. Um, right. And, like, st- sticking with Bioshock is, like, a lot of people seem to dislike the ending of Bioshock Infinite or don't really like Bioshock Infinite, and I loved Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. Because I went in knowing that this wasn't going to – there's a reason it's not called Bioshock 3, you know what I mean? Right, um, right. So.
1: And I, I was the same there. And I think you're pointing to it's all about expectations, which I went into this game thinking it's first-person shooter, more like yeah how Bioshock Infinite is more shootery than Bioshock itself. And I think this one's more, like I said, it's very Bioshock the original as opposed to Bioshock Infinite. And so the fact is, like, when you pick up your pistol an hour or so into the game, which I just feel is too long either way, it's you can't even aim down sights like you can click the right stick and you can zoom in a little bit but it's barely ah, anything it's kind of like halo freestyle. it's kind of like halo and it's just like it doesn't work like and but fallout 3 is so many other things than a shooter right Dom? Yeah, yeah
2: yeah this Broken. is a first
1: person shooter yeah oh, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> ouch but yeah i just felt like i just felt like they you know if this is a first person shooter you should fucking be able to aim down sights uh, and really aim down sights not like the this bullshit tiny zoom in that they've got going that really like it, it messes up your vision it puts a vignette on your vision it's like and why like, zoom I don't at even all want to use yeah that. websites do yeah, sometimes exactly. too with it, with like it's pictures
0: worse. it's like click to zoom and you're like okay and it zooms like four pixels it's like okay what did... It's great i don't know what the <laughs> <laughs> what that's supposed to be yeah.
1: click to go full screen but they got a half page ad on this full screen or exactly yeah. so um yeah, that stuff was all I'm still in, I know I'm kind of harping on old prey and life is strange here but I'm still enjoying those games. Um, also um, I know I'm running a little long here but uh, I played through both giant Sparrow games being the Unfinished Swan and uh, what remains of Edith Finch. Giant Swan's a uh, great cute little storybook experience would be awesome to play with the kids or if you got nieces, nephews, little brothers or sisters something like that, or even, you know, showing, you know, Dom, Emily, somebody like that that doesn't play games a whole lot. It's a really cool experience. Um, Edith Finch is what we would, you know, term a walking simulator, where you're basically learning the story of the Finch family and how they seem to be cursed. Everybody dies in weird ways, and they're taking you through each individual story of the family members, and you get to experience the story as that family member, and the gameplay mechanics for each individual story are totally different. Um, So in that aspect, it's very interesting. Um, And the individual stories themselves were very intriguing. Um, I think there's a difference between the word interesting and intriguing because interesting is something that, like, it gets your interest and then it keeps your interest. Intriguing is like, oh, that's intriguing, but then it may not necessarily continue to interest you all the way through. And that's how, how I felt about most of these stories. Also, the fact that, Um, you really never get any closure about what the curse is that's fucking up this family and I get that they wanted to leave it ambiguous but when the whole game is about wow this family's super cursed and look at all the weird ways that they die and then we're not gonna tell you why they die in weird ways it's like well I get that you wanted to leave it ambiguous but when your whole deal is about that specific point I don't know why you wouldn't answer that question at the end so that was my biggest frustration with that game I think it is a very good game, but I wouldn't say it's great. I think Giant Sparrow's third game is going to be their fucking masterpiece, which I was really, really hoping uh, was going to be the case with the Edith Finch. And uh, I was really hyped on it, but it just didn't quite knock it out of the park for me. So regardless, I think it's a really cool experience, definitely worth playing, and um, I'm obviously very excited to see what happens next for Giant Sparrow, so... Let's. Ha- um, I'll, I'll leave it there. I've, I've got plenty of other shit I could talk about, but
0: <laughs> you're, you're the media we'll guru so much every week. <laughs> so the first bit of news here was an interesting bit that came out of nowhere. Uh, scalebound trademark renewed by Microsoft, and then uh, the following is Sparks' rumor, uh, Sparks' rumors of a remake, which is an odd way to phrase it. I understand what they mean by that, but for me, a remake is a game that is a remake of a game that already released. You know what I mean? I think it's odd calling a game that never released a remake. Um, But And so I want to get into this real quick. We don't have a long discussion on this. Obviously, there's multiple reasons why Microsoft would have renewed the trademark. They own the IP, right? They don't want anybody else getting hold of the scalebound trademark and using it. Some people are saying this might be just a move so nobody else does anything with it ever, which would be fine, and that's a plausible argument and stuff like that. But we're talking about a company that's struggling for exclusives. So we're talking about a company that's struggling for new IP for the Xbox. Why on earth would they just tra- re- renew the trademark for Scalebound if they're not working on anything? Um,
1: well, and why would they just cancel Scalebound unless it was just totally fucked? you know? Exactly. And the
0: rumors with Scalebound... Because
1: it, it, it's... A... It's a new IP, it's something that gets people excited, and clearly they need that. Right and it's now.
0: very Japanese-focused. Like It has a very Japanese aesthetic, uh, and that's something that's kind of missing from the Xbox catalog. Uh, the biggest news that came out of it, and this isn't really a rumor now, this is kind of corroborated by a couple of sources, is that the reason the partnership with uh, Platinum didn't work out is because they weren't meeting deadlines. And from, from Platinum's perspective, obviously they were saying that uh there were there were their creative vision was being stifled which is i think their way of phrasing uh we aren't good at managing our all of the games we're working on and we couldn't meet microsoft's <laughs> yeah, yeah, deadlines exactly. you know
1: maybe if you had enough creative energy to put into one fucking AAA game as opposed to making like three double a games at a time and a couple of
2: indies like also focus yeah. your shit don't agree to deadlines that you might not be able to also make. they're they're yeah. probably used
0: to working with sony and no offense to sony sony makes great games but sony's a little bit more lenient on that stuff it seems like for the most part their track record shows you know so and microsoft's probably like hey dude we need this game we need exclusives you know and they're probably they, like, the whole thing of missing deadlines isn't surprising the thing with platinum is they people talk about them like they're some revered studio i think they're a good studio yeah. that sometimes has hits and sometimes has misses you know uh, yeah. And they're somewhere in between there. The people are like, uh, this game, Scalebound, if it comes out, it's not going to have the greatness of Platinum. like, well, it possibly could have had the yeah. greatness of Platinum. I don't know if that was a for sure thing or not. <laughs> you know?
1: Unfortunately, I feel like people give them way more credit than a lot of other studios that yep. deserve that credit, that actually have the fucking track record. Like, somebody like just pulling it out of my butt, Remedy. Like, Remedy Entertainment just, you know, people could give a fuck about Quantum Break, right? But it's like that's a really great game. Alan Wake is really well received critically and and the Max Payne games were really well received. Like nobody gives a fuck about Remedy, but platinum is this you know, paragon of the
0: industry. Exactly. Um it's it's weird. Uh Dom, you haven't really gotten to this discussion. What do you think? Is this scale bound trademark renewal like is it something we should pay attention to or is it just them protecting their own IP?
2: I think it could come back. Uh I think it might be a while though. Um, they definitely want to hang on to it though, like you're saying. And right, right now, that their intention might just be just to keep it off the market, and so they have it. Um, you know, with the attention, with the intention of one day doing something with it, or maybe they, you know, they can decide later, right? They're just just owning things to own them, right? Um, it could be valuable. If nothing else, if
1: nothing else is a solid name.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. right.
0: I I honestly think though, a really, like we were talking about this in our own uh, private chat, as like. Uh, it depends on how much of the game they actually owned, you know, like assets and stuff like that. Like, they could, And it's right. not this easy. I know yeah. there's it's a lot more complicated than this, but they probably could have taken a lot of those assets and stuff, like probably the game that was already made, taken that, and then given it to another company. And obviously, they're not just going to be able to, okay, fill in the holes and let's release it. They're going to have to do some tweaking and stuff like right. that, but it could be farther along and than they like,
2: anticipate. You never know. You know. And then there's like, well, what engine was it built exactly. on? Exactly. Who owned that engine? Yeah. It might I not feel be, like it's got to be... Transferable.
1: I definitely feel like it's Microsoft owns that shit though. I don't think that they would have just um, let all that stuff go, you know. And I don't think that they are the type of company to um, let people own their IPs, you know.
2: I think all, yeah. Epic. It, it all depends Epic on how that Gears of War, you know, if that were the case. Um, it all depends on how that contract was worked out initially, right? Exactly.
0: Also, the Twitter user who broke this news is also claiming that it's it's they've already given it to a. What do you say? A really close Microsoft studio, like a really trusted studio that's close to Microsoft. So a first party or a really close second party. Unfortunately, that's not Remedy or anything because obviously Remedy's not tied to Microsoft. One anymore. of the
2: Forza ones.
0: Oh yeah, well, yeah, because uh, the the one of the Forza studios, they're actually splitting off into two studios now. And one's going to be working on the Horizon games, and another one's working on non-racing games. So that could potentially be it. Um, I'm just saying, there's
2: a Forza game every year. It feels like Call of Duty.
0: Well, yeah. they're different though. For racing fans, they are very different. Forza, the the okay. mainline Forzas okay. are more, um, what is it, like F1 racing type games. It's, whereas for-
1: it's sim versus arcade. Exactly.
0: Whereas Forza Horizon is more of like the the playful, you know, go around the city. do Exactly the arcade type of racing. Okay. So they're they're completely different.
2: I bet yeah. um That's that's just the ignorant outsider's point of view for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would.
1: I would say even be, just being the not really Xbox guy, even though I have one. I think they're different enough to where, um, I you could speak to this better than I could, Jared. But I, I don't hear any Xbox fans like, ugh, we just got Forza Horizon three. Now we're getting Forza seven or six or whatever. Yeah, because
0: they take up different parts of the chart. Like for instance, my friend that I right. talked about previously in the show, he's he loves arcade racers. He's not about that F one. Uh, you know, Forza Motorsport or uh, Gran Turismo, um, like those more authentic hey, racers. He's more of like the arcade, the Need for Speed, the Forza Horizon. And there's some people that cross up out- Shout out to Burnout. You got to shout out exactly. to Burnout when you talk about arcade races. Burnout as well. Yes, Burnout. There's, there's some people who cross over, but they are two big markets. And, yeah, it's not like people complaining like, oh, we got this last year. Completely different games. Um, Speaking about potentially different games... We got news today, as of recording this show, about Destiny 2 gameplay details. Uh, Pretty interesting stuff. All of us played Destiny. Uh, I think we all had the kind of the same um, experience with it. We played it, we gave it the opportunity, we enjoyed it, and then I think all three of us hard quit, right? It got really repetitive. Uh, There wasn't a lot there. Um, It was a lot of the same old. There wasn't a lot of meat on the bones of what Destiny was. Uh, Destiny 2 came out. There was a lot of announcements. I'll try to get through them as quick as possible, and then we'll talk about the more relevant stuff. Um, So they changed all of the multiplayer game modes to 4v4, which is huge. They also implemented uh, matchmaking. So if you're one person playing through the entire game single player, which they kind of touted as a thing you can do now, you can play through the entire story by yourself. But if you want to get into raids and stuff, they actually added in-game matchmaking services, which... Hello, it's 2017. Thankfully, you added that to your game. Um, <laughs> the other thing they added is clans. Those were a part of Destiny, but they were outside of Destiny. They were in the Bungie client through web services, and you had to sign up and make your clan that way. Uh, they implemented them into the game. God,
1: so much shit was just not in the fucking It's
0: almost game. as if this game was a brush to market. Um, so uh, anyway now I don't think it was rushed I think they
1: just stripped it clean about a year before they released it
0: well no they they had a well I don't think think stripped it clear they had to start over again from the reports we got they they had a certain game in mind and then they kind of wiped the slate clean and started a new game um, obviously with the same assets and stuff but I think the way the, the progression stuff was handled anyways, it
1: changed very much, yeah. yeah. They,
0: uh they showed off the gameplay. It looks like it's going to be the opening mission. It's the same thing they showed when they initially revealed Destiny, where you saw your guy getting out of that, that junkyard with the ghost talking to you, and it was kind of that opening mission, and then when you played Destiny, you realized that was the opening mission of the game. Kind of the same thing. I don't want to get into too much of the nitty-gritty of Destiny, but the tower that's kind of iconic part of Destiny gets attacked by the Cabal. You're introduced to the new big bad, which his joke name is Gary, but his real name is Gall. Uh, they, they talked about how he's an interesting villain, that he's not just your cookie-cutter villain. They actually compared him to the main villain in Die Hard, Alan uh, Rickman's character. Um, so he's kind of more of a yeah. nuanced evil, not so much a bad guy, I want to destroy the world kind of thing. As far as gameplay goes, it pretty much looks the same. Um, my personal take... So going into this, I was 30-70, not going to buy Destiny 2. Going into this, I'm 50-50. It didn't really... Jump the bar uh, a whole lot. Uh, a lot of people said this best. You'll see a lot of the takes that are the same. This seems like a quality of life update for Destiny. Uh, th- obviously, yeah. there's a lot more cutscenes and stuff, and it is it does give you value for buying Destiny Two. It is going to be a different experience, but the visuals aren't very much improved. The gameplay isn't very much improved outside of a couple of new supers. A lot of the stuff they added are quality of life stuff. Like you can go to a different planet inside when you're already on a planet. You don't need to go to orbit anymore which was, a, I think, a way to hide loading screens, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, you oh, still yeah. did load, but it was like, hey, jump here so we can unload that, and then we can load something else, whereas now they made it so you can jump from planet to planet. One of the really interesting things, so in the first game, there were, it was terrible character development. It was a terrible story. There was really nothing there, right? Now, as you saw with the teaser, they're really implementing, you know, we have characters in this world. You have Nathan Fillion's character, Cade 6 you have uh, the Titan guy, who I always forget his name, is Zavala. I think his name is, probably got that wrong. And then you have the, the the Warlock character. And what happens, and these are kind of details that were talked about during the reveal, but you got more of it afterwards. When the tower goes down, right, and everything's destroyed, all the, all the, the people, Guardians, lose their light. Um, so they're not as powerful as they are. And obviously somehow you get your light back, or what would be the point? But anyways, uh, all of them have a different thing that happens to them. So the Titan guy, he's very stoic, very noble... Uh, he's voiced by the guy that's in House of Cards and a bunch of other shows, uh, Luke Riddick. His first name might not be Luke. Something Riddick. Uh, anyways, his character ends up going to one of the moons of Venus, I believe. And he, he the way he handles losing the light is he questions his entire existence. Lance Riddick. Lance Riddick, there you go. He questions his entire existence. He's like, well, if this can be stripped away, what's the point of me even being here? And he has an existential crisis. So that's the way his character handles it. Uh, Cade-6, the, um, the comic relief character, he basically, he's full of pride and full of confidence, right? And he's kind of an idiot. Um, he kind of goes on his own mission, and he's on a different planet. I don't remember the exact name, Nessus, I think. He's basically a one-man hero journey, and it's kind of your job to make sure he doesn't kill himself, right? Which is a really cool take on his character. The third character, the Warlocks, they have the closest tie to the Traveler, which is the big circle you see in all of the Destiny Promotional material. It's the big thing that gives the Guardians their power. It's that big thing. That's like on earth um, They're the closest to it. It's kind of like their religion. It's a basically the easiest way to put it um, and The the warlock character takes the loss of the travelers power to heart and it's a very Religious and faith-based journey and she disappears the first one to disappear entirely You don't see her so when you go to her planet it seems like the whole thing you're going with her is like Renewing her faith in it, making sure that she still has faith in the Traveler's ways and stuff like that. So uh, it's really cool how each of these characters is going to be handled. And like I said when that teaser came out, that teaser had more character development narrative than the first game. And that's what's exciting about this game is yeah. <laughs> it seems like they are building a world where these characters are interesting. In this gameplay reveal today, I'm more intrigued by any of the Destiny characters than I was in the first game um i talked a lot i yeah. want to hear your guys' opinions i don't know if either of you watched the gameplay reveal but i know you guys are familiar with the first destiny so hearing this stuff how does it make you feel about your the possibilities of you buying destiny 2 or what you think the future of the franchise is
2: so for me i was played the campaign of the first one you know what was there a couple multiplayer matches and i was kind of out after that um i get the appeal um you know the looting the loot grinding And and then the multiplayer stuff, like, well, you know, you're going to get with your squad or whatever they call it, raid team. And it's a solid
1: shooter. That's worth noting. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, shooting mechanics are, like, absolutely top-notch. Probably best out of any FPS there is, um, at least recently. I don't know if I'd go that far. Well, yeah, maybe a little hyperbolic, but it's really good in that regard. Um, But after, like, multiplayer stuff, especially team-based multiplayer stuff, you know, like, you know, a raid that's going to take hours that you're going to – do. That, that would be amazing. See, that would, they just yeah. need
1: to go fucking full MMO with this bitch, man.
2: Yeah. I just, well, it's just not for me. It's very much not for me because that's just never going to work. I'm never going to get the full experience that, you know, yeah. people, a group of friends who can actually play this game together and have a whole shit ton of fun doing a raid like one whole Your easy. fire team. Fire team. That's what it is. Yeah. Which sounds cool as shit, too. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the whole loot grinding thing is a little too much for me, too, like, i liked you – know, you you're always getting new guns even though a lot of time they've kind of felt the same. And it is a little bit satisfactory but like after a while, I was just kind of like it got too hard to get new stuff and it was like – it was just a chore, like too yeah, which, much of a chore. Just, which
0: is interesting because I think they did it way better than Borderlands did. That's one of my biggest gripes with Borderlands is you get guns so often in the game that they don't feel like they really matter. Um and oh, I yeah. liked that it was kind of like you got guns ever so often in Destiny, but there came a point where like you had to work a little bit to get the really good guns. Right. Another thing that they added that I didn't right. mention is they added a map, um, and they added. So, you guys, did you guys ever do any overworld stuff in Destiny where you just like ran around the Moon or ran around uh, Venus or wherever it was, like you know those open no. areas before you went to story missions? Right. Uh, they added a new yeah. thing in there, Jordan where there's characters in those areas, too. So it's not just an open area with just enemies that you shoot and stuff, right? There's actually characters you talk to and stuff, and you can get missions from them. And I forgot the exact words, but uh, there's these specific missions where they lead you down these, like, corridors and passageways to, like, bosses and mini-bosses that aren't necessarily story-related, but you get items from them, too, and they're kind of their own missions on their own if you want to go out and get them. Uh, They also... Yeah, like I said, they also made a huge emphasis on that you can play through the entire single player... Uh, by yourself so this may not be a game you get at launch but if you can get it on sale or something the campaign they've showed cutscenes it looks like it's improved obviously if you have your doubts wait but it does seem like a game even if you're not gonna get into the heavy raid stuff which I enjoyed I had a group of six that I raided with and it was fun until it wasn't and I hard quit destiny because there just wasn't a lot of content there <laughs> until it was uh, my other issue with this announcement and I understand why I understand why but for me if you're showing off gameplay you shouldn't have any ties to anything if it's this event for everyone. Towards the end of the show, they're like, we would like to thank our partner's PlayStation for providing all of the PS4 Pros that are going to be used to play on today. And I was like, that's a weird thing to say during a gameplay reveal. Really odd to me. Um, also, it's coming to PC, which is huge. Apparently, it's silky smooth, runs 60 FPS. A lot of the people I follow that are more PC-centric, the Jesse Coxes and Animunitions of the world, if you follow them on Twitch or YouTube, They were talking, and I value their opinion. They're not just, like, PC tryhards. They were saying that, like, as far as in comparison to a lot of other games, the PC performance in relation to the console performance is, like, super drastic. Even though Destiny 2 is running on a PS4 Pro, the PC still just, it it looked night and day, apparently, from what they were saying. Which is kind of odd. Because you'd figure the PS4 Pro would make up a little ground. Obviously, nothing's going to look as good as a PC, right? But... From what they say, they've played other games that are both on console and PC, and they never really make those kind of same statements. And it was weird for them to throw that out there. Yeah. Probably because Destiny Two is a, you know, it's a huge game. It's going to be one of the biggest releases of the year, and they'd expect it to be a little bit more polished or maybe have some better enhancements for the PS4 Pro. So that was just a weird uh, message there. Also, the other big, biggest news here: not coming out on Steam, it's coming out on uh, Battle.net, which is now called the Blizzard app. Um, which is not surprising. Blizzard's owned by Activision. So why wouldn't they...
1: But that's DRM-free, yeah, right? I
0: think so, yes. And the other thing is it helps them control cheating and other systems like that. People are like, why isn't it on Steam? It's like, honest, my, my use of Battle.net, I like it a lot more than Steam. I don't dislike Steam, but if I was like to pick which one I favored more, I definitely like Battle.net more. Um, and it makes sense. That Activision owns Blizzard, so why wouldn't they put this game that they're publishing on that platform, right? Duh. Yeah. yeah, then you then you get and, free ads for their other exactly. Stuff too, right? It only makes sense.
1: I'm pretty sure with Battle.net, like I mentioned, it's DRM free. You also don't have, you don't have to launch Battle.net like you do Steam while the game's playing.
0: It, exactly, uh, and that, and I think the big thing too that you said Dom, is like the advertising for other games like Overwatch is a nice companion to to Destiny of like. Overwatch is a multiplayer game, yes, but it's a game that you can play under and you can just jump in and jump out. So, like, if somebody's waiting for somebody to get onto Destiny and they want to do their group raids or stuff like that, it's like, I can just hop on Overwatch and play some Overwatch. And then they on Overwatch, like, or whatever yeah. it yeah. is, you know, Diablo they can put or up a, a
2: Hearthstone yeah. app. Yeah. Instead of paying um, for that to be on Steam exactly, or anywhere else. Yeah.
1: Real, real quick, I just want to go back to where you were talking about the, the PC version, Jared. Um, And I think this could be a really good thing for Destiny just in general. Oh, yeah. Just the fact that, you know, we've had so many terrible PC ports recently. You know, Prey being the most recent, but all the way back to Arkham Knight, you know how bad that was. And it just seems like the PC versions recently have been the worst of the three when it comes to PS4, Xbox, and uh, PC. And that just sucks because it should be the opposite really I mean I, I know I'm a console gamer but PC should clearly be getting the best performance in video games no doubt about it and so if that's the case with Destiny I'm really glad to hear that because we've just had way too many examples of fucking broken PC versions of the games that should be running
0: best on PC also it has an uncapped frame rate on PC the ones that were playing at the event were 60 FPS but it actually has an uncapped frame rate which is huge for people mm. Um mm-hmm. great yeah. Uh, I think that's it for the Destiny news. Um, We were going to cover the the Ubisoft news, but it's not anything too crazy. They announced four games coming out in the next fiscal year. Far Cry 5, The Crew 2, which is odd, Assassin's Creed, and uh, South Park Fractured But Whole. Speaking of Far Cry 5, though, we've had all these rumors of it being on Montana and being a spaghetti western. You wanted to talk about that, Dom. So what did you want to get into?
2: So, yeah, so we've talked before about our favorite game genres or gameplay styles, you know, first person, third person and action or what have you. But I don't think we've ever talked about, you know, what what our preferred settings are. So, yeah, it was Far Cry 5 being rumored as a Western. Um, I don't think that's going to end up being the case, but um, it seems like it's just Montana um, and it was mistaken for Red Dead. But anyway, Red Dead being the Western and then we just had Mass Effect being all sci-fi. Um some other news about the witcher that we'll get to shortly of course being like a high fantasy type setting so it just got me thinking about you know what what are some of my preferred genres when it comes to games and ultimately i came down to myself i'm pretty agnostic i think i think i go through phases really where you know there's parts of the year or you know maybe a whole year at a time even I there's no rhyme or reason to it where i'm really feeling you know some high fantasy like when i was in the Into the witcher it was like that was it right like i was yeah. anything in that that or even dragon's dog was just like
0: you were playing that too weren't you for a bit
2: yeah so i mean i, I guess i could kind of go on like binges of that sort into certain settings and then I, I really do love sci-fi too right like i loved halo um mass effect and so on um the only genre i saw i, th- I think overall i'm pretty agnostic like i like everything it just comes and goes in phases but the only genre or rather the only setting i think i generally veer away from is modern day stuff um it's part of the reason i never got into gta so much it just didn't click as with me as much i think i liked the more unrealistic settings frankly Yeah. Right? um uh and i have other issues with gta but i think that's the the core thing of why i never got super into it i was like i don't want to play a game in a city that is real i granted I hope no one out there is actually going and stealing cars and killing hookers, but it, you could, I guess.
1: Spoilers Dom. That happens every day.
2: <laughs> you see where I'm going yeah. though. Um, We're on that same sense. There's literally no way I could actually do, you know, 99% of the things. Geralt of Riviera. R- Riviera, Rivia. whatever it Riviera. is. Rivia. Yeah. Obviously magic in that sense, isn't real or in any sense. I don't know. Let's not get into that, but you see, you see my point. Um, I I think I prefer settings that are, it's real to me, damn it. (laughs) Settings that are more, you know, that are just frankly not real, right. Fantastical and whatever sense. So I think that's where I come down. And now, um, I want to get back into persona four, which is a whole different thing. Um, but more on that on a later date, I guess. So, so I guess I'm just curious to hear what you guys think, like what kind of settings you prefer or what? What you try to stay away from too. So I hate what do you got I hate
0: from? Cyberpunk now. I, I love Cyberpunk. I <laughs> 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 uh, uh, you wanna
2: go first, Jordan, or do you want me to
1: shoot? Well, you've already wounded me, so I'm just gonna sit I'm just gonna lie here and bleed out
0: right uh, now. I'm just kidding. I love Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk's really cool. Yeah. Um but I, I'm kinda like you, I'm agnostic. One thing as you were talking, I realized something. I'm so I love fantasy, Lord of the Rings totally my jam. Love Lord of Things. Love love, uh, high fantasy. I think I just said sci-fi. Love sci-fi. You know, the Star Wars, all that stuff. don't want to explain what sci-fi is. Um, They're probably my two favorite (laughs) settings. Um, But as far as uh, you were saying you don't really like real life as a setting too much, or like modern day. And what I realize is that I have more of a leniency for high fantasy and sci-fi. Like, I'll play a mediocre sci-fi or high fantasy game And deal with it just because I like those type of worlds. Whereas if I'm playing a modern or or, uh, current day kind of game, more based in current day, I have a lower threshold for what I'll continue playing. Um, So like Life is Strange is really good, Um, and I don't have a counter uh, example to it. But like if Life is Strange was something I it was okay and I didn't really like it, I wouldn't have finished that game. Um, Whereas like from all int- intents and purposes, Dragon's Dogma, though I haven't played it, seems like a solid game. Not necessarily a great game, but a solid game. If I felt that that game wasn't great, I would have still managed to slog through the rest of it just because I love high fantasy. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's, for me, I have a lower threshold for finishing a game if it's modern day and it's not up to snuff. Whereas if I'm playing through a, a, a sci-fi or uh, a high fantasy world... Um, I think that I'm more okay with uh, not so great games. Also, I think that modern day games have to nail character way more, like way harder. They rely on them nailing character because they can't, what's world building going to do? You know what I mean? (laughs) It's a current day. Like, they're not going to do any world building I'm not used to. Whereas fantasy and sci fi have that advantage of they're putting us in a world that's unworldly, it's unrealistic. So they have the advantage of building a world we're not used to and telling us what this world is. Whereas, if it's based in modern day, yeah, there's a little bit of slight differences, but for the most part, you're not going to get much out of world building. So,
2: you have to nail your characters. You know, you absolutely have to. So,
1: <laughs> totally you, agree, Jared.
2: You just reminded me, and I don't know how I omitted this. Um, Post apocalyptic is absolutely far and above my favorite setting now that I think about it. I, I don't know how wow. that skipped my mind. Um, I, a lot I, of
1: people are burnt out on that right now.
2: And I, and I love it. Uh, we're getting a ton of it, but yeah, I'm. I, I've been,
1: I think we're on the the, uh, ending edge of this post apocalyptic thing, and I think we're moving further into there's going to be a lot of sci fi, a lot of cyberpunk stuff. I was going to say,
2: along those lines, we're moving to more like dystopian kind of thing. Yeah. You could be a little post apocalyptic edge, but more like just weird just changed future shit i guess right exactly.
0: yeah uh, before jordan goes in just my closing statement on this we said this before the show is for me i'm open to hearing like when i see a reveal for a game or a trailer or anything immediately if i see a setting it doesn't turn me off like I, i'm not going to see a, a high a fantasy setting and be like okay that game's immediately not for me i give every game a chance and then based on when more information yes. comes out I'll make my decision based on gameplay and narrative and all these other things. The setting is never a, a decider for me because I think you're limiting your own interests. Like, if you're going to knock a game yeah. solely on its setting, you're kind of screwing yourself out, right? Like, I, I just – I don't know. It's it's a weird thing for me when people are out and like, oh, that's a high fantasy game. I'm not playing that, you know? Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, no, I, I think it's... you're right. I think you're right that it's, it's less important than, you know, the actual game itself. But that made me – you just made me think of another <laughs> – setting that that I that I love and there's not enough of it um is historical stuff so I've been playing Wolfenstein right so that's both alt alt history what I was just yeah. saying it's it's history and then it's alternate history so you're it's still 1960 which is history but it's a different 1960 it, just like yeah, so just like, like Fallout 4 too to some extent post apocalyptic and alt history kind of stuff right yeah but then regular history you know like Assassin's Creed stuff I've found to be awesome too so exactly had to get that.
0: In. uh that's it for me. You can go ahead, Jordan. That's all I have to say about settings.
1: So yeah, I just wanted to uh, real quick agree with the last thing that you said, Jared. That I try to be um, really just with life in general, but especially with media, I just try to be as open minded as possible. And so um, when it comes to video games, I'm you're gonna have to do a lot to get me to completely turn away and not even give your game a chance, right? And setting is just not one of those things. Now, there's certain settings that I'm absolutely more particular to than others. And I'm going to, you know, if there's a game that's in a setting that I'm not really partial to, and then um, it also has other stuff that I'm not partial to, then, yeah, I'm probably not going to go with your game. But that's no, you know, nothing personal against developers or anything like that. So... Um, as far as my favorite settings obviously I think I've talked plenty about you know Jared you were t- brought up cyberpunk so I'm huge into science fiction and obviously cyberpunk being a huge subgenre of that um, and connects back to the changed future that Dom's talking to the dystopian stuff is a big part of cool as shit uh, of cyberpunk yeah and it is cool as shit um, and then of course I'm very into fantasy um but i you know i i like those really character driven um modern day things like you were talking about Jared just as much because um especially in video games like you said there's just not as much in our own real world there's not as much crazy shit going on so we don't get that focus as much and usually if we do it's you know like a story based maybe walking simulator or um you know, A Life is Strange, something like that, with a little bit of magical realism tossed in there. Um, But yeah, for me, I think... um, Setting, if... I I, Introducing me to a whole new world is, you know, usually going to hook me, because... um, Another point I'd like to make is the fact that... A lot of people just are hooked on the fact that video games are escapism. And I to be honest, completely disagree with that. I think that um, if vi- if that's all video games are, then that's all movies are. That's all TV is. That's all any type of entertainment is. And so I just disagree with that. I think what a big part of the reason we play video games is because of what you said. Uh, I think it was you, Dom. There, none of us could be Geralt of Rivia. None of us have superpowers like um, Cole and Infamous. And none of us um, are going to be able to travel to the Andromeda Galaxy, like in Mass Effect. So, the reason well, that I play yet. a lot of these, well, yeah, you know, <sighs> yet. But none yeah. of us are ever going to be a fucking Asari, let's say that one, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, unfortunately, um, <laughs> unfortunately indeed. Because we could just be, then this whole transgender thing would be solved real quick. <laughs> We're just fluid, <laughs> yeah. motherfucker. Um, but anyways the reason that I play a lot of those different types of settings and the reason that I'm into these video games like that is not because of escapism. It's because I don't know how to fucking fly. I don't have superpowers. I don't have magical abilities like a Witcher does. And so I'm playing these games to experience things that aren't possible for me. And that's the whole crux of VR. VR is not all about escapism. VR is all about doing things that you are unable to do, you know, um, Eagle flight's a perfect example of that. You know, we're never going to be an Eagle, but we can enjoy the experience nonetheless.
2: I'm an Eagle. And... Fuck you. <laughs>
1: so anyways, I just wanted to, I think that's a, a, important point in the conversation for me personally is that I get you. The setting is more important because it's not all about the escapism. It's about what world you're bringing me to that I've never been able to visit before. And you know, like I said, books are the same way, movies, TV shows,
0: whatever. So, you brought up The Witcher. Uh, we couldn't have had more Jordan news. Christmas came early news this week. Of uh, the, the Witcher The Witcher Netflix show being being uh, announced. Uh, go ahead. The, the, the yes. board is yours, Jordan. You can go ahead and talk about this.
1: Yeah, so I don't actually want to make this conversation all about The Witcher, surprisingly enough. Um, I will say this. I think that obviously it's well known on the show that I am a huge fan of The Witcher, Absolutely one of my favorite games of all time, and now it's getting a Netflix uh, television show, you know, totally, hopefully it'll be, you know, R-rated, and um, it'll have the special effects that it deserves, I think. Um, Netflix or HBO are the two perfect places for this, and obviously with HBO coming off of Game of Thrones, probably wouldn't be the best idea to hop it right into The Witcher, so I think this is literally the... My fucking dream happening right now, as far as an adaptation for The Witcher, <laughs> because I did not want a movie series, guys. I really didn't, because all that's gonna be is all right. We're we're fucking, uh, you know adapting the last witch a collection of short stories that are you know loosely connected to each other throughout Geralt of Rivia's early days as a witcher and then we're going to have these uh you know this mainstream audience get really deep into this like super dark fantasy world that's actually just reflecting our world with fantasy characters and elements in it and then yeah it's just going to be like um you know ghost in the shell or any of these other franchises that start to get off the ground but they're not mainstream enough and then they can't get the second movie made and then it's just a fucking you know shit show and so i think this is the perfect situation especially since you're going to be able to just hop into the episodes whenever you want and watch them at your own pace and i think this will be great for the for whichever way they try to adapt whether it's book by book or story by story chapter by chapter i don't know but i just think that this is the perfect situation for the witcher to be adapted um, besides the adaptation that's already been the video games so um, yeah I just wanted to say that as far as this is like
0: perfect. I have a couple questions for you um, real but quick, then the... before we get into you. sure sure this um, first do we know if this is going to be animated or live action no so that's a
1: big question the production company itself is a CG uh, animation company. Um, which means that they, you know, probably do 3D CG, like something like Kingsglaive, Final Fantasy. But they probably also just do a lot of 3D effects for movies. Um, and, you know, particle effects, stuff like that. Um, so what I'm thinking is um, either it's going to be live action and they're just going to be, you know, really fucking good at the special effects and the all the different... Um, supernatural elements that you'll see on screen because that's their forte or it's just going to be a 3d cg uh series kind of like final fantasy kingslave and i'm totally fucking down with that because that's basically a netflix series uh you know witcher blur special is (laughs) what it is it's like if you just imagine the blur making a netflix series for the witcher that's what that is and so i'm Totally down with that either way, but we do not I mean, have any competition. Even, to I mean, your
0: even that so, trailer, sorry, that trailer for Witcher Three, you know the CG one, that yeah. would be cool, just that style. Right. Oh man, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. The one, if you guys, I don't know if this is one you're talking about because there are several of those, Jared. But um, if you guys want to look up "Killing Monsters," the Witcher yeah, Three trailers, yeah. I, and I'm almost positive that was done by Blur itself. So, um, fucking dope shit. And yeah, if that was how they did it, it's. I could already just see that being an amazing TV series. So, so I, um, I,
2: this is it's that's going to be a tough, tough question for them to answer, I think, because especially coming off of The Walking Dead and even in Game of Thrones, I could see the strings behind some of their CG, right, like with the dragons. Right. Um, oh, my
1: gosh. When fucking Daenerys hops on her dragon, it looks awful. Right. Every and, time. Every and, time.
2: But why that's disheartening is because those two shows are going to have a way bigger budget than this Witcher Netflix series, right? Right. So that's why I think you <laughs> – they really got to be careful. I think I'm with you and I'd prefer if they just went full animated. Oh, 100%. Um, with a
0: lot of the stuff in Witcher, like, I think that CG yeah. will go through the it, – it's either going to look – they're going to have to spend their money somewhere, you know? So it's going to be like either the CG is going to look dope but they're going to lose money elsewhere. And I would rather – honestly, I would rather have it be the the motion graphics or animated type thing because you get the most out of the creatures. You get the most out of the characters. You get the most out of the settings. When it comes to live action, you're going to be... Yep. If you put money into one thing, you're going to lose money in another. So, do you want the monsters right. yeah. to look badass, but you can't go to that many settings? or the, the It's it's a tricky road. Or you get shit actors. Yeah, exactly. You're going to lose money somewhere. Yep. If it is, if it
1: is, you know, Kingsglaive style CG, then I am totally fine with that because they just don't have any bounds at that point. They can do everything exactly. that I they agree. would want to do to adapt the book. Um, however, on the flip side... Um, I would love to see a li- a proper yeah. <laughs> live action adaptation of The Witcher because the Polish stuff, uh, from all accounts, is not very good. So, um, also either way, I think it could work. And I do I do think that The Witcher series and the Witcher the world of The Witchers is very magical, but it's not so soaked in magic that it's um, around every single fucking corner. And that you know, I, I don't think it would be impossible for them to do. I guess is what I'm saying and also i just think that like there's lower budget shows outcast on cinemax for example has way better effects than uh game of thrones on hbo okay. and so it can be know, done it can't it absolutely can be done on a on a way smaller budget i think i think there's plenty of indie films out there that have way better cg than game of thrones and have way smaller budget also
0: with the know? budget thing think about this the reason those dragons probably don't look up to snuff isn't that those the Game of Thrones doesn't have a budget. It's that look what that budget goes to. A lot of those actors get paid a lot of money. That's oh, yeah. a good point. It's far exactly. in. It. And if you think about it, that's why the last two seasons as they've talked about is they, they shorten the seasons. so they can up the budget per episode so it can be as badass as we want it to be. Right. So I think that it's Game of Thrones, their CG stuff, and Walking Dead... It isn't bad because they would want it to be. Obviously, It's just—you have a budget, you pick what you want to spend your money on, and obviously the actors are very important. So they're like, yeah, our CG isn't going to look fantastic, but it'll look passable. People do deal with it, you know. It's you yeah, know so.
1: Yeah. Also. I remember them saying the reason we didn't have uh, the uh, whose direwolf was it was it Jon Snow's direwolf. The reason we didn't have him at the Battle of uh, the Bastards was because we wanted to you know put more of our budget into the the battle itself or whatever i'm like what the fuck hbo can't pay for you, you have the fucking direwolves also on the show? shout really? out to the
0: author of the witcher for still being salty as hell towards the video games
1: oh yeah Jeez. so real quick we'll, we'll go over that so he's basically what has happened here is he made a one time deal with cd Projekt to um have give them rights to the witcher right and um, Essentially, what happened is he doesn't get residuals, even though The Witcher has become a huge his fault video game series, and and it's totally his fault. You have made a bad fucking deal, man. Whoever was your manager or, or your agent lawyer at, the, at that point, yep. should, yeah, should just be you know taken out back and you know and dealt with. the The but, weirdest uh, thing about
2: that to me is, you know, you could say that like, oh, if only I had invested in Apple thirty years ago or what, right? But this right. was. This was his baby. His exactly. Product. You'd think he'd have yeah. pride and want to invest in it and want to be. A... It's because he didn't understand video games,
0: and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, it's whatever. It's yeah. not going to do anything." Yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And so um, now, CD Projekt has made The Witcher a Polish uh, national treasure, yep. essentially. Like it that. is. They, what else they, comes they... from <laughs> Poland? Yeah, it literally is. Like they've they've done stuff with the government and stuff to where it's like you know officially recognized as being a treasure of poland for real and so um he's obviously he's definitely butthurt because the witcher series has never been more popular than when it was turned into these video games especially with witcher 3 and his books are still being translated to english we don't get the last one until next year 2018 years and years after it was released in poland and he doesn't realize that not only Would this series not be uh, being made? Half of his books probably wouldn't be in English if it weren't for the fucking game. So he has a lot to thank for CD Projekt. And the fact that he's saying, I hope that they can make a proper adaptation, you know, from the source material, blah, blah, blah. Well, CD Projekt decided to, you know, essentially retcon his ending where Geralt dies... And then make it turn it into amnesia, and then that way they're not affecting his books when they're telling their story throughout the games. But he didn't like that because they, you know, th- otherwise they would have just been telling prequel stories or, you know, little in between side stories within his books, and that just wouldn't have worked well. And I think they they made the smart decision.
2: So, for clarity, to do too, um, from what I understand, the author is involved at least to some extent with the yeah. show. CD oh, Project Red is involved. But CD. Correct, but CD project is not involved with the TV
1: series. Well, this at just all. shows, right, and okay. and that's fine because they're not, you know, the fucking stewards of the Witcher series. Exactly. They're just the guys that right, adapted right. it for a video game series. Also, sure. the, the so
0: the I'm, other thing I'm is cool it just that. shows how salty is that, and we can't put it ourselves in his shoes. But for me, if I made that mistake, I would own up to him and be like, yeah, I screwed up, whatever. But at this point, I would want to create a partnership with CD Pro if they took what I created and they did what they did with it even though I kind of screwed out on money I would still be like partner with them or like do stuff with them because they they are respecting what I created and from what a lot of polish people have said this dude's been a dick forever so it's just the way the goes oh guy yeah
1: is. people yeah d- way before CD Projekt Red was a thing or I mean you know adapting his games he was an asshole and that's well well documented you know about him going to cons and being an ass or or what the fuck ever, he's just been that way for a long time, so that's unfortunate but I do think CD Projekt has done an incredible job of adapting this series and respected it immensely, and like I said it wouldn't be shit without them and I think, you know, even though he's not getting residuals off the game he's getting all the book sales that happened because of the game, and and that's a huge deal, you know, the, the book covers in America are fucking promo images from the game, so it's like yeah, How do yeah. you not get the connection here, dude? How do you not realize that you're, you know, this is this tide is raising all these ships? So, I don't want to focus on that too much. I'm glad you brought it up, though, Jared, because that's some pussyfoot shit over yeah. there that's going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but the the one thing I wanted to ask real quick—I know we are kind of going long—but um, real quick, are there any uh, games that you guys really want to get? Let's let's just say a Netflix series, not. We're not talking HBO. We're not talking like specifically. You get all of season one at one time. It is rated R if it needs to be. It does have the budget of and the CG effects that it needs if it, if that's what it requires. Um, what would you guys like?
2: Do you have any ideas though? I, <laughs> Fallout. Uh, I think that's ripe. You could do different seasons in different locations. You know, like one season is DC um or new places What? I, there's just so much there that i would, I would love that and I, it would be cool if they did yeah some, a lot of cg or if it was completely animated i could see some cool stuff with that too because it's just goofy enough i think um and i'd love to see that be adapted it would have to be um like an honest adaptation like fit the mood where it's serious but then some weird goofy shit and these funky robots and so on uh, for yeah, me yeah. there's
0: two things i would really want Overwatch, the Overwatch cinematics are fantastic.
2: Fuck. Why is that
1: not a yeah, thing, like, Jared? An Overwatch movie. Why is there not an
0: animated Overwatch dude, show? Dude, even just a movie, like a Netflix movie, or even just a movie, period, that thing would eat dollars. Um, the other thing, did you guys ever see that Eli Roth Dark Souls short that he made? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah it was a promo for DESD.
0: Yeah, dude, if. If they made a Dark Souls Netflix series, um, and obviously it wouldn't about you, be about your character you play as, but the whole story of Dark Souls, all the lore, everything that happens with all of these characters and stuff like that, and they could pick a game, they could pick one of the games because they're all like multi-universe, the whole lore and theories and crafting all that stuff, but it could be like kind of like a prequel-esque stuff or, um, with Gwyn or any of that stuff. I would love that in that style, specifically of the Eli Roth Dark Souls short. That's what I would want. I didn't want to go too long, but yeah, 100%. Um, it just – I I think really quick before we close up this topic, I think that this is the avenue that's best for video games. Because they are so yeah. long, TV treats video games better than a movie does because you're trying to cram I all this stuff into it. Yeah. And TV and video games kind of go hand-in-hand hand of like, you know, there's these quote-unquote filler episodes. There's filler in video games. There's stuff you do in between the big parts. But –
1: Remember, this is an adaptation of the books. Yeah,
0: that, that is true. That is true. But, you you know, in in the case of you asking us about video games specifically, yeah.
1: Yes, yes. I did ask you what game you would want to see. Uh,
0: really quick uh, for a out, I want to have one answer and two predictions real quick. Uh, are you going to – this is not for you, Jordan, obviously. Are you watching this day one, Dom?
2: Okay. Yeah, all episodes. And probably one Sunday. From both
0: of you guys, how many episodes <laughs> do you think season one is going to be, and when do you think we're getting it? Twelve episodes. Ten episodes.
1: 2019. 2019. Fuck. Now, I think it'll be out next year. I mean, Netflix gets so these things out 10 and 12. Quick, we'll man. see.
0: Mark that in your calendars, boys.
1: Well, I I don't think it's going... I think uh, you're, like, disqualifying yourself saying 12, Dom, because they either do 8, 10, or 13 for Netflix. <laughs> Fucking 13. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, like <laughs> the superhero shows are all 13. House of Cards is 13. I thought uh, it was Orange 12. is the new, black is thirteen. No, they're all thirteens.
2: Damn, I thought because I, I know Better Call Saul. Never mind, that's yeah. Not <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna stop um, talking.
1: <laughs> also, Better Call Saul's ten.
2: Yeah,
0: that's yeah, yeah. Let's uh, close up the show real quick. We ran a little long, but it's fine. Uh, as far as what I'm gonna be playing,
2: this is like I said, fine. I didn't play
0: anything last week, so I have a lot of catch up to do. Gonna be reading the two of the books that I mentioned earlier that I got. I'm going to be playing Prey. Hopefully, uh, nothing else that comes out. But there's other games I'm probably gonna be diving into. Uh, it's pretty much it I'm trying to think of what came out in Games with Gold I think like the Lego Star Wars trilogy which is a great value if you haven't downloaded download it I've already played through majority of them um, so it's not really a big thing for me but uh, also really quick which I'm excited about which you didn't talk about in news because it's not huge news or anything they announced the final episode of Walking Dead season 3 is coming out on the 30th so two weeks Uh, excited for that didn't hear about Uh, that yeah I think that's pretty much it for me what about you guys <laughs> Wolfenstein the new order you got to breathe in you had to take a big breath <laughs> maybe maybe some more breath do in you a have wild. the dlc for we'll new see. order no, no. old wolf old blood, blood. I, old wolf i figured I'd just buy, wolf.
2: i just i forgot i just buy the the base game it was like 6 bucks and then if i liked it enough then i'd buy the the dlc it, it goes on sale a couple times a year I
1: that's the like. smart way to do it dom yeah. which is the opposite of me where i'm like I should probably just go ahead and get the complete bundle, even though I have no idea if I like well, this game or not. Speaking of
0: that, I'm probably not going to get a chance to play it anytime soon, but I, I saw a sale for Assassin's Creed Unity for Xbox One for 2 bucks, so I bought it. I was like, $2? Yeah. <laughs> Here, take my money. <laughs> <What>? Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, reminds like, me, please. I did buy
2: I did buy Alan Wake for $3 on Steam. Oh, good. Yeah, guys... No, is that nope, still it's around? Done. Can people still go get that? It's too late. Too, you missed God it. God damn, that is sucks. Is it too late to say That's bye, Wade? Hit up, hit the, hit up the used game store and get those physical copies. Exactly. They're gonna be. Yep. Well, I don't know what they're gonna be, but uh, they ain't selling them exactly.
0: anymore. Exactly, great underrated game by a studio we talked about earlier, Remedy. Really cool game.
2: A masterpiece. Yeah. Underrated
0: studio. Uh, Jordan, what are you gonna be playing? Finishing Life is Strange. Yes. Yeah, so
1: so yeah i'm gonna finish up life is strange uh be playing some more prey um so now that i've been through the giant sparrow games i'm gonna go through the uh that game company games i'm trying to mess around with like just kind of completing some of the smaller indie games i have in my especially playstation library um just because especially with uh ps plus games with gold you just get so many of those, and a lot of them are great. But I just, I just need to. A get lot of them are bite-sized so. too, which is great because um, you
0: can like, you feel like you're accomplishing yeah. something by playing through so many of them, and it's not even as long as a game like Prey, so that's cool.
1: Yeah, like Edith Finch is, is like watching a movie. You know, it's like hour thirty, hour forty-five. Yeah. So, um, yeah, doing some little bite-sized stuff like that. Uh, had my friend Kofi over before the podcast. We were playing some. NBA Playgrounds on the old Switch. Um, Wishing that the Nets caught on fire when I (laughs) dunked like an NBA jam but I think I can get over that. Um, And then uh, yeah you know I'm going to be watching tons of anime dude. I'm just all about that right now. Shout out. I want to give a huge shout out to uh, Attack on Titan Season 2. Not enough people talking about that and it is a really good sequel to a really good
0: Props to the guys who made NBA Playgrounds for not filling the thing with macro transactions. They could have easily done that and they didn't. So,
1: Well, props to them on that, but maybe less props, because it's kind of a uh, janky-ass game with, like, <laughs> a lot of missing features, and...
0: I mean, you're kind of lucky it came to Switch in the first place. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm... Not,
1: I'm. I, 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 like I said, I wish it was NBA Jam, but I'm... It's 20 bucks, you know, I, I was... Going back and forth on buying it because it was getting such mediocre reviews and then I'm like, you know what, fuck, I know I'm going to buy this eventually, so just fucking buy it and start playing it enjoying yeah. it.
0: It's still cool, though. It might not be the greatest game, but it's a, it's oh, a yeah. cool game to play with your friends and stuff.
1: I'm glad it exists.
0: Yeah. Anything else on your, your vast media library that you're going to be tackling next week? Um, Better
1: So I'll just give you one more. Saul. Like, Yeah, there's always... Uh, there's there's so always a TV show. I, get off there's always podcast. a podcast lighthouse yeah there's always something that i'm like oh i just wanted to recommend that so bad because it was so good and then i forget but um i'm going to we had our buddy ian hink on the podcast a couple weeks ago um and i'm going to be watching the movie brazil because that is the assignment movie for the second episode of the easy allies movie podcast uh reaction shots which we talked about when he was here um and so yeah brazil uh has got de niro in it. it's a terry gilliam film Terry Gilliam was the voice of the king in The Unfinished Swan. Oh,
0: all comes around.
1: (laughs) It was weird, yeah. He's, like, way too famous to be in The Unfinished Swan.
0: Uh, Is that everything?
1: No, but I'm going (laughs) to cut it off there because i was just (laughs) talking. Uh,
0: Yeah, thank you guys for listening to episode 60. If you can, please follow us on YouTube by subscribing. We're close to 100 subscribers. Uh, Type in Controlled Interest on the search bar and it will come up. Eventually we'll have a, a nifty little custom URL and then I can... You know, talk about that. Uh, Also, follow us on Twitter at CTRLINT. Dom does a good job of, you know, tweeting out all of our content as well as the latest video game news uh, throughout the week. So, that's really good. Uh, Follow us individually. I'm at Jared underscore, Dom is at Dom's Oreos, and uh, Jordan is at Mellow Modus. As well, you can uh, follow us on iTunes if you want to listen to this uh, in audio form. If you can, leave us a review or like the podcast or whatever you can do, rate it. Um, That helps us. You can pop up in those lists of like, gaming podcasts or whatever and you know we can get more listeners and stuff Uh, that's pretty much it we'll catch you guys in episode 61 getting closer to e3 uh we'll see you guys next week bye
1: i mean what's the deal with friends it's not even a good show (laughs) that
2: was good that was good